What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And today, the tampon king has officially been crowned king of England. Oh, Sausage Fingers is king now. Yes, it's coronation day in England. And... Yeah, she's going to explain all this to me as an American because I have zero cultural reference for it other than I know that they take a hat and they put it on his head. So basically, Coronation Day doesn't actually technically have to happen because Charles obviously became king the minute Lizzie passed away back in September. So a coronation is basically some sort of like ceremonial like festival where it's like they get the power they have to reign directly from God. It's very, it's quite religious. There's a lot of religious elements to it. And it's basically like pomp and pageantry. So oftentimes when you have a monarchy, they will ascend the throne. And then it's actually quite normal for there to be a gap between when they've ascended the throne and their coronation. So sometimes it can be as as much as two years. So I think Elizabeth's coronation was about a year, but in other monarchies, it can be two or three years until they actually have it. Because it doesn't technically need to happen. Why? Why did they do that? It can happen for, for several reasons. It can be just because normally a coronation takes ages to plan. One thing about Charles's coronation is that it was very, very scaled down, obviously, because he's, I don't think he's that far from the morgue personally, but we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> because normally a coronation ceremony is, is hours long. All chucks in a box. Because like normally a coronation ceremony is like the whole day, like hours long, but they really cut it down for this one. So I think it was like an hour. Obviously, King Charles is not a sprightly being anymore. He's in his 70s. So like when he knelt down to be crowned, I was thinking, is he actually going to get back up? Was he struggling? He seems to okay. But yeah, normally like planning a coronation and also coronations are big, big events. Like it's basically a way for the royal house to show off their pageantry, show off their wealth, and of course, crown their monarch as well. So if you, you know, look in historical books like Queen Elizabeth's coronation was the most recent one that we had. I think that was in 1953, I want to say, or 52. But if you look at other coronations, such as like the Russians with their last czar in, I want to say, 1896, that was a big, big grand affair. And I think the one in Russia, that was like a week long of like parades and, you know, military demonstrations. And they held street parties for the people that actually ended up with people getting trampled on. But we will do an episode on the Romanovs in the coming weeks where we go through all that. So yeah, basically coronations are basically just a really, really fancy party. It's kind of like inauguration day here in the States. It's just the day where the person officially becomes the monarch. Although I guess it's different because here in the in the United States, we call them president-elect until they actually take the oath of office. Yes, exactly. Okay. Is there like a title change between uncoronated and coronated king? No, no. So in a monarchy, the minute the previous monarch dies, they become the monarch and have all the powers, everything like that. And they do take a coronation oath, but technically speaking, if the coronation didn't happen, they would still be monarch for whatever reason, you know? But I guess with the president, they take the oath of office on inauguration day and that's when they actually become president. And the system is such where you know, there's an incumbent president until that day, if that makes sense. Whereas with a monarchy, the minute the previous one basically snuffs it, the new one takes place or takes... I see. 
ascends the throne, as they say. Snuffs it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes Savannah inserts these like random British phrases that I don't clock right away. But then after it starts to like marinate my brain for a second or two, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, when they snuffs it. Yeah. Snuffs it. I do think that's a bit cold as well. Like, and I just find the whole thing a bit macabre. Like, you know that you won't become king until your parents are dead or your parent is dead. Like, I mean, unless they abdicate, like some monarchs, they can and do abdicate due to old age and then they're still alive. But realistically speaking, you're not going to be like king or queen unless your parents are dead, which I just think is a bit cold. But that's just me anyway. So this particular coronation, King Charles, like the thing is with the monarchy now is obviously Queen Elizabeth has passed away. I can't believe it was like almost nine months ago that she's passed away. And there's just been this growing mood of apathy towards King Charles. Like people weren't really thrilled that Charles was going to be king anyway, because he'd been Prince of Wales for like 60 years. He was getting on a bit. The whole debacle with him, Camilla and Diana really, really dented his popularity. He just never seemed like he was all that connected to the people in the way that Diana was. I mean, the thing with King Charles, especially as an American and our, <laughs> I don't want to say we have a like disdain for the monarchy, but we have like an indifference. The only thing that was keeping Americans interested in the monarchy was at first Princess Diana. And then back when the Windsors were hot, when the young Windsor sons were actually attractive. <laughs> Before Diana snatched her jeans back. <laughs> Pretty much. Like before William started looking like Charles, he used to be on the cover of like Vanity Fair. And it's like, you know. Really? That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So when Harry and William were young, like when they were like in their late teens, early 20s, they were really billed as like heartthrobs. And then also they had the tragic backstory of their mother passing away in this horrible accident. Eligible bachelors as well. Yeah, back then. Exactly. But then they just got older and goofier looking. And then America pretty much unilaterally lost interest until Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle. So that's why it's kind of like, that's why the whole thing is pretty funny. Because like when William and Kate came to visit some months back. No one cares. They visited Boston and they asked some Boston Celtics players like about the visit from the prince and princess of Wales. And they were just like, yeah, they're just regular fans. Like, they unilaterally did not care. They didn't give a shit. Nobody in Boston cared that that they were there. I honestly think those basketball players, they would have been more excited seeing the Kardashians in the front row than William and Kate. Yeah, no, totally. Because, like, to us, they're just, like, old, dusty diplomats. But they're not even celebrities. They're, like, politicians, diplomats. Like, And it was funny when there was a picture with LeBron, Kate, and William, because... In Britain, there's all this protocol around don't touch the royals. So obviously LeBron is not British. So you know how in America, when you take a picture, especially if you have a basketball player, like they'll put their hands around everyone in the photo. (laughs) LeBron did that. And then like people, like the stush people in Britain were like, that's not protocol. And then the Americans were like, oh yeah, Kate did nothing wrong. As in like, she was the one who was being awkward, not LeBron. No, totally. Because I've seen that picture and she looks, yeah, she looks like way awkward. We're all like, what's wrong with this girl? Like everybody was looking at that picture like, what's wrong with this lady in particular? Like it's LeBron, just, you know, be a regular person. I don't think anybody over here would have even known that it was protocol not to touch the monarch. They don't care. Like, why would they care? 
Because even our presidents, I mean, because, well, and you have to remember American history that a lot of the way that we are, especially with our elected officials, is specifically because they hated the royals, right? There was a time when there was controversy about how to greet the president because they didn't want to do the whole, your majesty, you know, to like curtsy and everything. And like walking backwards and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they were literally like a handshake is appropriate. So like from the very beginning, there was an expectation that you could touch our leaders like they were accessible to people because they were elected by us and therefore could be unelected by us. So then I don't think Americans have any concept of a person who's legitimately untouchable. Right. Okay. Like, I don't think there's anybody here who we think of as like, oh, you can't touch them. Maybe Beyonce. But like other than that, like legitimately, Beyonce might be the only person that people might be pissed if people like touch without warning. But that's only because like she's like the queen in theory, but also because she's a little bit she's not as like socially engaging as like Rihanna, who just, you know, she'll hang all over her fans and stuff. But it's just because Beyonce's a little bit uptight. But I wouldn't even say uptight. Also, Beyonce has like Yeah, that's her image, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, her image is a certain way and she has like much firmer boundaries with everyone. So everyone respects Beyonce's boundaries. And so when people don't respect Beyonce's boundaries, people but it's not because we feel like she's untouchable legitimately. It's just that like she's been famous for a long time and so she doesn't like to be touched. Even remember Michael Jackson, even Michael Jackson's the most famous person in the world for a while, and like people used to come up with him all the time. Yeah, true. But yeah, the royals, like, there's very much like, there is that barrier, that touch barrier. And there's all sorts of protocol, like curtsying, bowing, like, you know, if you approach the monarch, you have to step backwards, you can't turn around and walk out, because they're not supposed to see your back. There's all that sort of stuff. And as we know, unfortunately, Meghan had no clue what she was literally stepping into (laughs) when she landed at Heathrow to marry Prince Harry, because this is part of the issue, the cultural clash that she experienced. Because in America, like, I guess if, say, she was marrying the president, you know, Jill Biden can speak about causes that are, you know, near and dear to her as the president's, you know, spouse. A British member of the royal family can't do that. So even commenting on things like Me Too, you can't do that as a British member of the royal family. Even before that, in the documentary, she said she met them at Frogmore Cottage and just gave William and Kate a hug each. And they were like both individually pissed. And she didn't even know. She was like, wait, what? (laughs) And she had no idea. Yeah. Because like, realistically, Meghan is technically supposed to bow to Kate and I think uh, Eugenie and Beatrice because they have like an order of precedence. And even though they say that Meghan is a senior royal, technically she's not. Because in that line of uh, precedence in terms of the women, you would have the Queen and then you'd have, I think, Princess Anne as Princess Royal and then Kate, depending on if she's with William or not. And then uh, Eugenie and Beatrice, because they were born princesses, then you'd have Meghan. So she's actually quite at the back of the queue. Do you know what I mean? In terms of the females. So we don't even know what that means, right? That's like... The most we have as far as order of secession when it comes to our rulers is the order that they sit during ceremonies in like formal states, right? So like when usually when they have like an inauguration day or or memorial day or some kind of like event at the Capitol, then they have like seating order in accordance to like your presidency secession. So the Bushes are always sitting next to the Obamas who are always sitting next to the Trumps and so on and so forth. But it's not like nobody there is like, 
less hierarchical than the other. And even like the vice president, his wife, I guess they're a little bit like behind, but it's just, I don't know. It's so interesting to hear this because we have these things, but if someone breaks them, no one's like pissed off or weirded out. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's definitely a thing. Like when they were walking into... I want to say where they kept Elizabeth's body for the lying in state. They have a very, very strict order that they walk in to the chapel in because that basically represents, it basically represents the order of succession, basically. And so everybody is in their rightful, in quotation marks, place. And they take that really seriously. So even at the coronation today, you know, when they were saying, because like the right wing media just basically mixing up shit, which I'll go on to. But they were saying how, like, Joe Biden was snubbed because Jill Biden was sat at the back. And it's like, well, no, but in the coronation, Jill Biden would be at the back because they would put the British royal family and then the European houses, like royal families, and then the US. And so in terms of the line of, I'd probably call it precedence because Jill Biden's not in the line of succession, she would be at the back. Like, that's just how they do it. So the coronation, so that was just a bit of preamble about general royal bullshit, I think. And so the coronation, there were several angles to the coronation. So as we all know, or probably aware of, there is a cost of living crisis going on in the UK and around the world at the moment. Bearing in mind, the UK has did just pay for Elizabeth's funeral less than nine months ago, which cost hundreds of millions of pounds. We were then asked to fork out for this coronation that also costs an estimated £250 million. Throw the old lady in a box and be done. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I, I agree. Like, I just think it's absurd. It's interesting in the States because it's not super transparent about a lot of the ceremonies that we take place. Some of them are actually paid out of pocket by the uh, family of whoever the official is. And some of it's paid by the government. So it's usually as lavish as like the extra money that a person of their family wants to put towards it. So it doesn't really like, yeah, I guess we're just a little bit less. um, We don't have royals. We have like, we have people who serve at our pleasure. Hashtag, we're dope. For a maximum of eight years and they're out. Nothing even happens if they die. Like, I mean, if they died in office, we'd probably have a couple of days moratorium. But when older presidents die, it's not like, it's sad and they put on the news and they talk about their legacy, but it's not, it doesn't like stop everything. Okay, there's like ceremonies, things like they'll fly the flags half mast. It's really a big deal for like the military. So the military has a lot of protocols around it about how to guard and treat the foreign president's body and uh, the state houses will have they'll fly the flag at half mast and sometimes they'll take the day off but it's just not the same it's just not the same intensity do they practice like if a president like what happens if a president dies because with here with the monarch the military and all the ceremonial like processions involved they practice regularly for the monarch's death so elizabeth's death like they do drills like in different countries in different in all sorts of weather just in case like the monarch dies abroad like they just drill all the time so by the time the monarch does eventually die like at elizabeth's funeral if you watch parts of it it was very very well executed because they're just always practicing the only american funeral that i know much about was jfk's and it seems like that was the first time it was an unusual event in that a president had literally been assassinated. I mean, it happened before with Lincoln, but in contemporary history. So they basically had like three days to put the funeral together. Yeah, it's 
I mean, the military always has protocols for these types of things. And I think there are things that have become informal traditions, but it's not anything written, right? It's not like a, this has to be done this way, to my knowledge. I mean, I think, you know, they drape the casket with an American flag. They fly the flags half-mast. Depending on the severity, they might declare like a federal day of mourning. And But people can and can observe that. Like sometimes... Federal day? We had like two fucking weeks. No, 10 days. Oh, no, nothing like that. Like there's... <laughs> okay, once again, America doesn't shut down for anything. <laughs> like we got to beg to get a day off around here. <laughs> That's part of it. There's usually like a funeral <laughs> procession. So a lot of this, like the military does practice for sure, but it's not, I don't know. Is it like British practice? Is it like when like, it's your personal duty to be ready when the monarch drops dead sort of thing? Like it's just something. No, oh no, 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 no. We're just more like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> half the country doesn't even like half our presidents. You know what I mean? It's always awkward when a president that like uh, one side legitimately hates passes away. Right. So I'm trying to remember, well, George Bush Sr. passed away and it's kind of, there's a lot of people who just didn't like George Bush Sr. as well as him being like a one-term president. So people's politics don't necessarily dissolve just because that person died. Like everybody gets a little bit of a a glowy edit after their death. Same thing with like John McCain, for example. Um, Suddenly he's, uh, you know, a statesman and like he spent most of his career being like dragged by his own party. (laughs) But at the same time, like people don't just like straight up uh, pretend like they're a hero just because they're dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that track. So anyway, so yeah. So the coronation, the compromise in quotation marks. And I do think this is partly to do with Charles's age, because if you compare it to Elizabeth's coronation back in when she became queen, I think it was in 1953, I want to say. So in terms of the coronation, then I guess part of the compromise And I also think it was in recognition that Charles is an older monarch, was that they decided to make it a lot shorter. So a normal coronation ceremony was about three hours. So Queen Elizabeth's coronation in 1953, that was a very, very long ceremony. But obviously being crowned when you're, was it 27, is very different to being crowned when you're in your 70s. I'm just really glad she lived as long as she did. I love seeing Charles suffer and not have power. And so they scaled it back as well. Just the idea that he's only going to reign for a fraction of the time that she did. I mean, he's not going to make it 50 years, right? So he doesn't have 50 years. I would be surprised if he makes it 10. Like I've said before, if we look at Queen Victoria, who was previously the longest reigning sovereign in British history, after that was Edward VII. He was previously the longest serving Prince of Wales before Charles. You see where this is going. He only lasted about nine years before he snuffed it. So 10 years max. And this is what people were saying was like, why are we doing all of this? But it's like in 10 years, we'll have to do it again. <laughs> Just frisbee that hat on top of his head and keep it moving. Like, <laughs> Literally. He's not going to be around much. And then also, obviously, we're also changing our money as well. And again, it's like... Oh my God, she reigned for 70 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, she was. she reigned for a very, very long time. 70 is... I thought it was 50. I didn't realize it was 70. Wow. Yeah, she reigned for 70 years. And yeah, like Charles will be lucky to get... All of Charles is his life. Yeah, I guess I should have known that because Charles is like (laughs) over 70. Yeah, duh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he'd be lucky to get even 10 years, I think. I think if he gets to 10 years, he would have done very well because 
obviously everybody also talks about Charles's extremities and I'm no doctor, but that swelling does not look normal. If you see his hands, like they just don't look healthy. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. He just looks, um, how do I say this? Well, we've settled the science that uh, long successions of... <laughs> just say it, bro. Just say it. <laughs> inbreeding causes deformities, mental illness. And all I'm going to say is, I mean, <laughs> just looking at the man, he doesn't look like the picture of health. His ears aren't really like where they're supposed to be on a human being. His jaw just hasn't shown up ever it's not quite Habsburg jaw have you seen that but it's, it's just not there like he just hasn't got a jaw like but I mean like he's not physically on the level of like a Habsburg like it's so inbred that like they look no 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 no, no. yeah <laughs> but the thing with Charles it seems like independently Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth were very attractive or like fairly attractive people right but it just seems like their children just inherited the worst of their features yeah, I mean, once again, I feel as if that happens with each succession of inbreeding, right? So <laughs> we just got to start to diversify the gene pool a little bit. I get that it's your, quote, special royal line and ordained by God to rule over his, quote, quote. But uh, you're looking kind of like people who populate the backwoods of Appalachia in our country. You know what I mean? <laughs> So it's like kind of weird looking at the royals because it's like they think they have this special magical bat bloodline, but like we have people like that here in the States and we kind of act like they don't exist. Like we know they exist, but like we don't really like celebrate the fact that they, I mean, technically they have like generations of the same purebred uh, bloodline, but none of us are proud of them for that and they shouldn't be proud of that. So it's sort of, I, man. Oh my gosh. To me, it's like watching them talk about their pure line is like watching, yeah, someone from some rural part of Appalachia with like three teeth and cock eyes and weird hanging ears talking about how and like blue skin because they have that some weird genetic disorder that only runs in one family. Talk about how like they have this special pure bedline. And to be fair, there's a lot of people like that in the clan here who they want the United States to become like a white ethno state and they want to only breed with white people. And it's always the kind of people who nobody really wants to be part of their gene pool because it just doesn't look diversified. And uh, it's kind of a running joke here in the States about that. So <laughs> it's just weird. Like it's just once again, different perceptions about like uh, bloodlines and the importance of bloodlines. Like here, the only people talking about bloodlines and the States is uh, the Ku Klux Klan and um, <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm like, honestly, like, <laughs> it's literally the Ku Klux Klan because they're the only people that care about it being purebred. I don't know about. That's clearly not the case for the monarch. So them, them bragging about that, like all of us over here are like, ew. <laughs> well, it should get better, though, as they start to marry outside of their immediate and extended gene pool. So that was just an aside. But yeah, I do think, and also, let's be real, like being head of state, even though I don't think it's real work work in the sense that it's like the work that we would have to do to pay our bills, but it puts different stresses. And I'm just not sure, especially since Charles has probably led quite a comfortable life up until just imagine basically starting your first serious job at 74. Like it's just not really going to work <laughs> That's out. That's true. He's so woefully <laughs> underqualified. 
<laughs> oh my god i didn't even think of that yeah the man has never had a job until his 70s wow i mean like he's done like as prince of wales he's been like patron of charities but i mean like doing like serious meeting ministers you know actually being head of state like it's advanced age to come to that you know to have that level of responsibility like i remember what people were saying when joe biden you know ran for president and they were about the same age like it's a lot see it's scarier with biden because biden actually has like real power (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) and he actively has dementia i don't care what anybody (laughs) says everybody knows he has dementia but biden is funny though the way he just like confidently fucks things up like when is i would wish he sunak was um elected prime minister the way he just said like it was like he said all the letters in Rishi Sunak's name, just in the wrong order. Like, he called him, like, Rashid Sanuk. <laughs> the thing about Biden, he's always been known for his gaffes, and people try to frame it as endearing. He says things that are sexist and racist, although he's sort of what? been managed. Oh, my God. Google. Because he's another person that's been in office for, like, 40, 50 years. And... over decades of evolution the culture has changed but he every once in a while says something that's like massively messed up to a group of minority people because he just doesn't oh no so he's known for his gaffes yeah i feel like he is kind of evolving but i also feel like they don't let him out as much unless they give him like pre-written speeches that he can just read from a teleprompter because i don't think the man a hundred percent always is there Once again, dementia is a horrible disease and I'm not making fun of anybody with dementia. I'm just pointing out that our president more than likely has it and everybody's kind of managing it because it's certainly better than Trump. And to be fair, it's not uncommon for like aging presidents to have like health issues, like the outgoing president of Nigeria, Buhari, like I swear, like every so often there would be a rumor that he's dead because he would just disappear with health issues for like months or years at a time. You just wouldn't see them because he would travel to the UK for medical treatment and he just disappear. So it's quite common in, in aging men to have a litany of health problems. So, okay, you got to read, one day you should download the physician to the president from the White House official medical report because they're required to do an annual medical physical. But is, has there ever been a time where they've actually told the public when the, like, the president's health was legitimately deteriorating, especially his mental health? I don't think so. I remember reading that when in the 1960s, when JFK was running against Nixon, like Nixon's camp tried to leak the fact that JFK had Addison's disease. And the treatment that was required at the time was basically sending JFK like insane, like, like physicians at the time, they were basically giving him like horse tranquilizer to the point where it almost caused nuclear war because if you're taking medication that's fucking with your judgment and you are like on the brink of nuclear war it's not great so when they were running for president like nixon tried to leak that but kennedy's camp they basically squashed it and it only came out i think after kennedy died that he had a lot of health issues that i'm sure if the public had known about it they probably wouldn't have elected him yeah, I mean, it's a tough thing. I know that Ronald Reagan had Alzheimer's apparently towards the end of his presidency, and they did a lot to cover that up as well. So it's just kind of tough. Yeah, there's been a lot of sick presidents, and they definitely suppress it. Especially like the more left wing papers have been running interference about the dementia angle. But 
I just keep looking at it like, look at how sharp Bernie Sanders is versus how Joe Biden is. And they're around the same age. I think Bernie's older. I'm pretty sure Bernie's older, I think. Yeah, actually, right. So Bernie Sanders is a year older than Biden, and he's just infinitely more responsive, plugged in, and able to like engage with people than Biden is at the same age. So sometimes I just feel like maybe it's not dementia, but it's, he clearly is having a massive cognitive decline, probably on account of his age. And even comparing him to other octogenarians, he's a little bit slow on the take. You know what I mean? Isn't an octogenarian someone who's 100? <laughs> no, octogenarian, octo, 80s. Oh, okay. I thought it was 100. <laughs> Sorry. No, 100 would be like centarian, I think. Oh, yeah, that's it, centarian. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a very, very long-winded way of saying uh, Charles has probably got a decade max, and I would be surprised if he's still there. So that was the first axis, was that, you know, how are we going to pay for this coronation? Apparently it's going to cost £250 million, you know, when there's a severe cost of living crisis. Like most people in the UK, or, or many people, are having to decide between heating or eating. The interest rates have basically shot up, so there are some people that are, have to find a thousand pounds a month extra just to pay their mortgage. So we're in a bad way now. Question. So the interest rates in Britain, are they affected by when the United States government raises their interest rates? I don't actually know. I'm not really into the economy stuff. I'd imagine it would have some impact, but the extent to which I don't know, probably some impact, but I'm not sure of the extent. And so, yeah, so obviously it's not great optics when you have the richest man, you know, one of the richest men in the world, basically wanting to crown himself with some fancy hat that literally costs two billion pounds whilst people are literally starving. And also ever since Elizabeth has passed away, so the Republican movement is basically people who want to see the monarchy replaced with an elected head of state. So that's what I mean when I say Republican. Like When I talk online and I say I'm a Republican, people think I'm talking about like US Republican. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm anti-monarchy. I think we should have an elected head of state. Um, Because I think that's one of the few areas where America's ahead of Britain in this regard. Heck yeah. It's dope over here. In that anyone could theoretically (laughs) become head of state. I think that's a good... Anybody, child. Okay. That has its drawbacks, though. I mean... I guess with you guys, like if you don't like your monarch, there's really nothing you can do about it. Whereas like every four years, uh, we're allowed to get rid of anybody we don't like. But it does mean that literally anybody, and I mean anybody can become president. So you just have to be connected enough, <laughs> which is both inspiring and terrifying because some of these people are actively stupid. And terrifying. And it's funny because like, <laughs> I feel like when I was younger, I saw elected office as like an aspirational role. And now the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, no, a lot of stupid ass people run for government and they (laughs) work in our government and they're very dumb and they get paid. Like this is probably the highest paid job they'll ever get because they're not good at anything else. They were just able to convince some people that they could kind of know what they were talking about and enough for them to elect them to go to Washington. And I think Michelle Obama um, said as much, more or less, because people were like, oh, were you intimidated being like the first black woman in these rooms? And she was like, no, a lot of these people are dumb as hell. Let me find her exact quote so I can like paraphrase it. So this is our former first lady. And I feel like she's 100% correct. 
Michelle Obama had a great quote when asked about how she dealt with sitting with powerful and smart people during her time in the White House. She replied, you realize pretty quickly that a lot of them aren't that smart. I'm like, <laughs> facts, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> we can watch these people. And it's funny because when you look at like how educated she is, and I mean, she's definitely like a person who is probably used to being either the smartest person in the room or among other smart people because she went to Yale. She was like a high-powered lawyer. It's like she is dealing with people who fell off the turnip truck yesterday and got elected in some very small district trying to like explain. And then they're talking to her and trying to explain things that's just way out of their depth, right? Or trying to govern, but they're just way out of their depth. So it's, it's interesting in the States because I don't feel... And I don't know if it's always been that way. Anybody who has been around a while in American politics, like correct me on this or not. But I feel like at some point in the country, we thought like elected officials were like, not like smart or at least more elite than I think the perception is now. But I don't know if it's just like I've gotten older. And so I've now gotten closer to the age of a lot of people who are uh, elected officials. So now my perception has changed. I'm like, oh no, a lot of these people are fucking stupid. (laughs) But they seem smart to you when you're like 18, 19 years old and you don't know better. But like the closer I get on the other side of 30, it's like, oh no, 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 no. Oh my God. Like, oh my God, we have fucking clowns. We have fucking clowns in Washington. And I don't mean that in an abstract way. I mean, legit, some of these people, I feel like they have to remind themselves to breathe. Like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Have you seen the drama surrounding George Santos? No. Fill me in. Okay, so he's like the first openly gay Republican to ever be elected to office, to be elected to Congress. And basically, this man told an entire lie about his background from top to bottom. He lied that he graduated from college. He never graduated from college. He said he worked for Wall Street firm Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. He never did. (laughs) What the fuck? He lied about being Jewish. First, he said he was Jewish. And then he said his maternal grandparents uh, fled persecution in Ukraine and then in Belgium. And then he says he's Catholic and Jewish, but he's just like a regular Latino American. And then when when he was confronted about it, he was like, oh, Americans don't care about my resume. So basically, he just came there, just wrote like just completely lied about his entire background and then got elected. Oh, my gosh. That's just what happens sometimes. Sometimes we legit get insane people in office. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because all they have to do is just have someone sponsor their TV commercials and some people just vote party line or you can convince people you're a good dude in like 30 second ads. Oh my gosh. He also claimed to be descended of refugees from the Holocaust. Like this man is, is mental. Like, oh my gosh. Why would you lie about being Jewish? I think he's just a pathological liar. Like, I think he just wants to feel like he's being persecuted and that he has, like, an interesting background. It's very weird. I don't know. But it's to the point where the Republicans are trying to get him to resign because he's actively insane. But that's the type of people that sometimes get into office because of our legal system. Our system of government, which is imperfect, but for the people, by the people, and of the people. Oh, my gosh. Moving on. Swiftly on from American shit. An adult man who lies about the Holocaust, but okay, that's <laughs> that's the level of uh, scrutiny of our elected officials. Yeah, that's weird. And also having somebody who's gay 
in the Republican Party. I don't really understand the logic behind that, but okay. So the coronation. So then the other angle, obviously, is what is going on with Harry and Meghan and the way that the coronation was scheduled to take place on the day of Prince Archie's birthday, which I just thought that was really shitty. Like, let's be real. Like, again, the coronation doesn't have to happen by a certain date. So it could have literally been done next year. It could have been done in November. It could have been done in summer. And they chose Archie's birthday. Why? I don't know, basically. And I think that the royal family, it seems like obviously there's, you know, there's still that tension between Harry and Meghan and the royal family, but the royal family are just being really petty in how they're dealing with them. I don't know why they picked this day in particular when there's literally like 52 other weekends they could have done it on, but but it was today as well. So there was this whole, the British media are obsessed with Meghan. There was this whole, in the lead up to the coronation, there was all this coverage about, is Meghan going to come? I believe that Meghan was invited, but she turned the invitation down and she stayed in California. So Harry came on his own. And there was an issue around that as well, basically saying that she snubbed the royal family. But then if she'd showed up, you know, she'd be making it all about her. That's a no-win situation. I want to point that out. It's a no-win situation. Yeah, exactly. They were going to give her a bad edit no matter what decision she made. But I applaud her for starving these people of her presence because they don't deserve. Well, yeah, exactly. And again, if she came here, she would just be assassinated by the press anyway, accused of making it all about her just for you know, breathing in oxygen or daring to look nice. And so, yeah, so she stayed away. So Harry came on his own and it seemed like it was a flying visit because the coronation happened. I think it was done by two o'clock UK time. And he was literally back on the plane to California at three. So he didn't hang around. Like he's back in California or on his way back to California now um, to be with his family. And he seemed like one of the only royals to actually be look genuinely happy at the coronation, <laughs> like smiling and all that jazz. So yeah, it was a flying visit for him. I'm kind of like that with my family because I don't have to deal with the bullshit on a day-to-day basis either. So when I go in for a family event, I'm all smiles as well because I know I'm be on the next flight out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like you'll be out like you're like this is not my problem but again at the ceremony they snubbed him again so as the son of a king he should have really been in like the full regalia but he only wore a suit and then when king charles and queen camilla appeared on the balcony they normally have their immediate family so really it should you know harry should have been there and he wasn't but the children of the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, who is King Charles III's younger. And so the Duke of Edinburgh is King Charles III's uh, youngest brother, Edward. They were on the balcony, but it's like, but your own son wasn't. It's just shade. And I sort of, you know, with each passing day, I can see it makes sense. And um, the claims that Harry and Meghan were making in the documentary and in the interview with Oprah, it makes sense because it seems like the royals are very passive aggressive. It's like they want to say that Harry was there, but they'll do little digs and slights to make out like, okay, you're here, but you can't sit with us sort of thing. That makes me feel bad for him. Because <laughs> listen, I said this in the, a previous episode too. Yes, they're fabulously wealthy. And yes, they have privilege beyond all all of us could possibly imagine. But for Harry, like he's just a kid in an extremely toxic family, right? That actually makes me have sympathy for him. I otherwise wouldn't. Like he tragically lost his mother and his entire family is the pinnacle of like narcissistic uh, bullying. 
so he's just become like the black sheep of that family and they're going to keep treating him as such and so there i mean there's there's just volumes of books and videos and workshops and therapists who specialize in uh treating children who are the victims of narcissistic families or you know families for whom they become like the outcast all the problems are just hanging on them from the time they're young and it's clear that relationship between his family and then also the press that he's had to live that his entire life and it's just i don't know you never hear me really stick up for the royals but like i just feel like it's kind of a fuck situation so it's like on one hand no matter how cringy i feel like some of the things he says are and how much i don't particularly like i don't really care about him as like an individual or what he represents i feel bad for him as a person right as a person who has like a really dysfunctional family for which he's never really going to get the type of love familiar support or nurturing that a child would need especially a child who had a very tragic lost a parent in a very tragic way and so i feel like all of the stuff that he's been doing now is just him trying to find a way to get that for himself because it's very clear he's not going to get that from the royal family so like just hearing that that even on coronation day they're just like dragging harry and megan it's like man oh my gosh like gb news which is like the not so polished equivalent of like fox news they might as well rename themselves like harry and megan news like the coverage on Harry and Meghan, considering Meghan wasn't even going in the past week and even on the day, has just been absolutely incessant. And contrast that with like Hunter Biden and the Trump boys, like Trump's sons. It's like they're complete and total fuck ups, right? Hunter Biden's like crackhead, not speculative crackhead, a literal crackhead. A confirmed crackhead. <laughs> a confirmed crackhead, right? Who like spends <laughs> half his money on prostitutes and probably... Child support. <laughs> for his concubines. Child support. Doesn't play his child support. Probably sold estate secrets for crack like legitimately. And the way that <laughs> Joe Biden treats him in public is still very understanding, warm and loving right? Despite the fact that Hunter unequivocally does not deserve it. You know what I mean? Like, just contrast like how even Trump is kind of a narcissist, but even he treats his sons and his children, except for maybe his daughters, which he's a complete fucking creep about. But compared to what's happening with King Charles and the way that he treats his children. So just think about that. Like, all Harry really wanted, it seems like, is a hug. (laughs) Like, it just seems like somebody should have hugged that kid a lot more when he was younger and had uh, was dealing with his mom's tragic death uh, and, you know, not treated him like he was expendable in the family because he, you know, he wasn't the next in line to secession, especially after William's kids were born. It is weird watching it on this side. It makes me feel bad for him because I'm like, yeah, on, on, at least on the American side, like a ton of people's families are dysfunctional. But like you see publicly. It's true. It's true. Look at the Kennedys, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least... Kennedys are so messed up, but at least in the public, they are supportive of each other, right? Even through like massive, unforgivable fuck ups, right? Like the worst thing Harry did was the Nazi uniform, to my knowledge, right? That's the only thing that's ever leaked to the press that everyone's like, this is unilaterally fucked up, but it's not like, oh, I accidentally killed a person. Like, like any, like, was it Robert Kennedy? Yeah, Chappaquiddick. (laughs) No, it was that Ted Kennedy. Chappaquiddick left her to die. Like, I have like every week there's a new video of my penis and me getting slapped in the face with some prostitute's vagina because I'm cracked out and spending all the money on prostitutes and crack. 
So yeah, my God. <laughs> or like uh, whatever is going on with the Trump sons, like with their like many, many divorces and weird affairs and just <laughs> crazy general demeanor. You see them still have like a public face to support. So just watching the, the family dynamics there that on like the most important day of probably Ken Charles's life, they couldn't just bury the hatchet a little bit and be a little bit warm towards their son actually makes me upset. <laughs> and like not put it on Archie's birthday as well. Yeah. What the fuck, man? Like, that's not really asking for a lot. So, and then also Megan was also dragged by GB News idiots because she didn't bring uh, Lily, Bet and Archie to the coronation and saying like, oh, they should be part of history. I'm like, well, they're not going to remember it anyway. And like, again, you would have probably dragged her for that too. Like, it's just, there's still that ongoing obsession with Megan. And I do feel like it was a shame that Megan wasn't there. I completely respect her decision to stay away. But in terms of like just general aura and drippage, it was missing. And I think that, that Markle sparkle was definitely missing from the coronation. Honestly, because no one cares. I didn't get up to watch that shit. <laughs> Here on this side of the pond, we're all back to not caring. <laughs> well, yeah. And if like Megan was there, everybody, like more people would have watched, even her biggest attractors in the UK. I think it goes beyond hatred. They're like legitimately fascinated by Megan in a way they're not with Kate. Like, because Kate is quite, dare I say it, boring. She's quite she follows the rules like you know what you're getting with Kate kind of looks the same all the time whereas with Megan it's just you know there is that fascination there that just isn't present with any of the other royals and I think that that was what was missing in the coronation because it was really mid and really flat otherwise which leads speaking of William and Kate that was drama because they were late to the to Westminster Abbey and Charles was pissed (gasps) Charles was pissed so obviously we were talking about the order of precedence but you know when there's a big event like a wedding or a coronation obviously the main event walks in last right so charles rocks up in his ridiculously expensive old carriage and william and kate aren't there so because william and kate aren't there he can't go into westminster abbey because they can't come after him so they had to wait for five minutes and charles looked pissed the william and kate also when they were walking into the church they also looked like they'd had a massive argument on the way And again, the tension was just there between the two of them. There's speculation that they are living apart, but I'm not sure if that's indicative of their marriage. I think generally in royal households, it's actually really common for royal couples to live separately. So a lot of people don't know this, but actually Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth, they hadn't lived together for years. When he passed away, he was actually fully, fully living somewhere else. Do they take a lover in their spouse's absence? I'm not sure if you've watched The Crown, but I know that Prince Philip wanted to sue because they heavily implied that he had several affairs and cheated on Elizabeth several times during their marriage. So it's anybody's guess, but it's quite normal and commonplace for rural couples, especially if they're senior, to, to not live together, like to not live even in the same like palace or apartment. It's pretty common. I'm trying to think if that was the case for any of our presidents. I know Jackie and JFK that Jackie and JFK had separate bedrooms. But they were still in the White House. I think the last couple that I know in recent memory that one of them wasn't living in the White House, I think Melania all but left the White House. In fact, I don't think Trump even wanted to be at the White House because he thinks the White House is poor. It's like poverty. (laughs) He's like, he basically walked in the White House like, what is this dump compared to his level of wealth? But I do remember hearing Melania wasn't living at the White House, that she basically like shows up for state dinners or whatever. Because, yeah, again, poor compared to the lavish digs they were used to living in. 
but that's interesting. But it's weird here. But yeah, that was allegedly, but yeah, they walked in, did their thing, arrived a bit late. Charles was not happy. Obviously, these things, again, they are very, very choreographed and they are literally down to the minute. So if you look at the procession timetable, it will say something like King leaves Buckingham Palace at 11.53 p.m., arrives at Westminster Abbey at 12.04 p.m. It's literally timed down to the minute. So I can't imagine the stress that William and Kate would have been under if they were late because it fucks the whole thing up. And obviously the king's not happy. So we have... Yes, that was a ceremony, but obviously the main, I think, almost like the, I don't want to say the main event, but I guess like the full circle moment was seeing Camilla crowned as queen. And how they did this was actually very, very insidious. My theory is that the minute, you know, Diana was out of the way, you know, she, you know, died and been buried and Charles and Camilla started dating, I think the plan was always for Camilla to be queen consort slash queen. Because like, if a woman marries a king, she's queen consort, but they normally just call her queen. So she'll be queen Camilla, queen Alexandra, queen Mary, but they're queen consorts. But I think that was always the original plan, right? But when they married in 2005, Camilla's reputation hadn't fully recovered yet, you know, and it, it hasn't really. So the reason why Camilla was known as the Duchess of Cornwall and not the Princess of Wales was because that title was heavily associated with Diana. And they knew there would be outrage if Camilla was known as Camilla, Princess of Wales, even though that was technically her title, because Diana relinquished the title upon her death. So when Charles and Camilla get married, the palace issue a statement several years later saying, when Charles ascends to the throne, she won't be known as queen consort, but princess consort. So I think everybody was like, okay, yeah, because in everybody's mind, right, Diana should have been crowned today. Diana is the queen of, or should have been the queen of England. And how that played out, it still leaves a sore taste in a lot of people's mouths. Even people like myself who aren't pro-monarchy, but the way they treated Diana was just piss poor. And everyone was like, okay, fine, princess consort, that recognises the bullshit and that the fact that Camilla was the mistress and basically ruined Anna's life or, you know, whatever, right? It recognizes that she's the mistress, basically. That's so interesting. So like, so they can just tell her she can't have the title? Yeah, they can. I mean, you know, the title is at the monarch's discretion, but I think the plan was for Camilla to always be queen. But the palace knew they couldn't say that because that would have been deeply unpopular. So what they did was last year at the Jubilee, at Queen Elizabeth's Jubilee, celebrating 70 years, Queen Elizabeth released a statement saying, it is my dearest wish that my daughter-in-law shall be known as Queen upon my passing. That was deliberate because that was when support for the monarchy was higher. And that was when everybody had goodwill. So they were able to basically slip that in that this whole princess consort thing was bullshit and they want Camilla to be known as queen. And so, yeah, they basically played the public like a fiddle because I don't believe for a second that they were planning to make Camilla princess consort because uh, like princess consort hasn't been a thing as well. Like every sovereign who's been married, their spouse has been known as queen as well. So I wasn't convinced. Your tweet went viral, by the way, I just realized. Oh, the one about Diana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So 37,000 likes <laughs> for this tweet about Diana. Yeah, because I basically said the royal family don't get anywhere near enough smoke for essentially using a teenager as a breeding mule and ruining her life. 
bearing in mind Diana was only, well, she was 16 when she met Charles. She was 19 when she got engaged. And the royal family and her own family, I didn't expand on this in the tweet, but it's true, people are pointing out, her own family basically pushed her into it. Diana wanted to drop out at one point. She wanted to back out of the engagement, but her sisters and her mum basically said, you have to go through with it because your face is now on the tea towels. So it's too late. Gross. Yeah, and her friends were pushing her into it as well. So she really had nowhere to go. And as a 19-year-old, she was still astute enough to know that this marriage is going to be bad, but she didn't have anybody there to support her in getting out. And she was just told to just get on with it and... Yeah, look how it ended up. So there was lots of tweets about Diana doing the rounds today because I think within Britain, again, as somebody who's not support for the monarchy, but I do feel like things might have been different had Diana been crowned queen. It just feels like a massive injustice. Yeah, we'd all care about it. I guess I just don't understand. What I don't understand about the monarchy here, and I guess you kind of explained it, is that a lot of what they do is PR. Charles doesn't seem like he does anything to make himself endearing to the public? Has he ever done anything that makes anybody care? Do you know what? I think it's sort of like, because I was speaking to somebody who was very senior in marketing and they were saying that women tend to make the best people in marketing or like the best people in marketing tend to be women because they have empathy. They can put themselves in the position of other people to understand how messages will be perceived. And that is one thing I'll give about Queen Elizabeth is that she understood this. So she knew what to do to make herself appear to be likable, even though she did so much heinous shit, like all that stuff, you know, with Diana, the queen was a huge part of that, you know, that entire mess as well. But she knew how to curate her image. So she was seen as this, you know, cuddly matriarch, as opposed to a woman who tried to use, you know, funds that were ring fenced to provide energy to schools that had no money to heat one of her palaces. And that was actually a thing. But the Labour government at the time said no, because it would look so bad. But yeah, Charles hasn't really had to do anything. I mean, they do try these odd pockets of publicity stunts, but it comes across as so forced and unnatural because they just don't really seem to know how to relate to common people in a way that's genuine. So yeah, I don't think Charles has really done a lot to make himself appear to be likable to the general public anyway. I think he's still riding off the last vestiges of goodwill that was extended towards his mum and that respect for Elizabeth that's still there, but that will dwindle in the months and years to come as he progresses in his reign. And like his <laughs> his own household has basically said he's a lazy piece of shit. Like <laughs> he doesn't put toothpaste on his toothbrush and one of his butlers and they basically told a story where he like dropped a piece of paper. So imagine you dropped a piece of paper, like you're off your desk onto the floor. And he actually called a servant from the other side of the palace to come and pick it up. I mean, I knew he had to be like that when in public, he got visibly like flustered and angry because a pen was too close to his hand. I was like, this is, that's pretty insane. So that's the sort of king that we're dealing with. See, what's crazy is like, you guys have to pretend like, he's important i guess i guess when we had trump in office a lot of us just basically said fuck this guy and that was just the extent of our interaction with him how does it work with britain because you kind of have to go on with the pomp and circumstance even if the king is an active idiot i think with elizabeth people felt a bit less able to be like i don't give a shit because obviously they curated that image of the queen as like the queen of england this matriarch she's ruled for so long done so well served her country 
But I think with the coronation today, there were so many people who just didn't give a shit. And there were more people at Elizabeth's funeral than at the coronation in terms of crowds. So, you know, we are starting to see people almost treating the British monarch like the American president, which hasn't really happened before, and just being quite apathetic or just outright hostile. Because another thing as well is that this morning, the police actually arrested people who were planning to protest even before they were protesting, you know, which is quite scary because in any democracy, the right to protest, especially an unelected head of state, should be there. So I think it's what's great is like learning all of these nuances of British culture, especially how they relate to the monarchs and then completely understanding why our American founding fathers nope the fuck out. We're like, nah, <laughs> nah, y'all can keep that. Because so much of what's in our constitution is legitimately like directly anti-monarchy. So it's funny listening to you say this. Yeah, I can see why. And then now realizing like, oh, this is why we do this. And this is why we have that. And this is why we don't do that. Because like listening to all the things you guys do, it's like, oh, yeah, our founding fathers probably were like, this is some dumb shit. We don't want to listen to this crazy person. And then decided we would craft American culture a certain way. It's almost like crafted to be the antithesis of what the monarchy was, like to the letter. And I can see why as well, because ultimately it's just a very, 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 very expensive and quite archaic way for extremely wealthy people to appear to be this divine bloodline, but are scraping passes in education and to have underdeveloped jaws due to inbreeding to make out like they're better than the rest of us. Yeah, man, y'all can keep that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, I'm not... <laughs> USA, USA. Every time I hear about this, I'm like proud as hell to be an American. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the men who died. Okay. <laughs> and I think people are like staring down the fact that, yeah, we're stuck with Charles and then we're going to get William. And then, so we're not going to see like a female matriarch monarch for probably quite some time, if ever depending on if the monarchy lasts between the next 50 years, because most of the support from the monarchy comes from the older population. I'm not even British, and I think I'd be outraged because it's it would be confusing to us. Because like we have, to the extent that the Americans still have a fascination with Princess Diana, it's because of the Princess of Wales association with that, with her. That support for the monarchy will drop even more. Yeah, the boomers are dragging it, man. I... <laughs> silent generation boomer generation they just won't get out of our face like i'm very happy we've increased our uh, medical technology that people are living longer healthier lives but it is like very frustrating for the rest of us to just watch these relics and like it's not even just that they're older it's that the, the way that they want to structure society is based on this like very rigid hierarchical structure that is increasingly not existing because of technology right like social media etc like all the mysteries gone nobody believes you're special just because you were born you know in a special bloodline i suppose no one like thinks you have anything other than you're an, a person who lucked out by divine birth or like by birthright so i know sometimes by birthright by like having an affair by shagging the wrong person that's how queen elizabeth became queen because edward the eighth he ran off with wallace simpson an american by the way <laughs> honestly deserved i don't blame them so uh, the british monarchy is just i feel like it's in its death throes at the moment 
we'll see with Charles just how much he manages to bring it all crashing down. But I don't think anybody's really gagging for him to rule just because of the factors we've stated in this episode. So you guys might have health care and employment rights and generally a culture that supports workers, but <laughs> at least we don't have a king. That generally supports, I don't know, like life as well. <laughs> life and health and happiness, but we ain't got a king, so we're better. <laughs> I will admit that is one thing Americans have done correctly is their presidential system. We just have a bunch of random idiots that decide all of these things for us because they got paid by corporations to make those decisions a certain way to make sure nobody gets anything. So that's what we got. We don't have a monarchy, but we do have an oligarchy. I think for me, like the tipping point is at least with a bad president, A, you can limit them to maximum two terms of damage or you can just vote them out. Because just imagine if, say, Prince Andrew was the eldest son, he would now be king and exempt from any sort of prosecution or like any of the laws in the UK. Can you imagine? I mean, right now we're figuring out for the first time if our president is actually exempt from the laws, because up until now, when presidents committed crimes, the new president just pardoned them to just speed and hasten the process. Really? Yeah. I thought presidents could be impeached. No, no, they can be impeached, but it doesn't really mean anything unless you're removed from office. It's just like a, a sanction, more or less, but it, it does like a, it's like a strongly con- worded condemnation. But and being impeached is like the first step to a long succession of other votes that have to happen if you want to remove that person from office. And so far, we've had a couple of presidents impeached, but none of them removed from office, which means impeachment is almost like relatively toothless. So even, you know, President Trump was impeached, President Clinton was impeached, and there's been other presidents have been impeached, but they weren't removed from office. They, I think Nixon like resigned, et cetera, but Trump didn't resign. Bill Clinton didn't resign and basically just kept going. And it's only since President Trump has left office that they've started to prosecute him for uh, things that were actually prior to him being in office even. But even then there was stuff that he did that was like technically criminal. But I think Robert Mueller, if I'm not mistaken, came back and said, there's just no protocol like prosecuting an active sitting president for crimes. So there's just been like this whole thing now. Just hope they don't commit a crime, basically. Exactly. Because like basically Trump is an interesting test case and the limits of restraining presidential powers or uh, what to do when a president just breaks all the rules just because he can. We just sort of realized like, well, nothing happens really. Because like, I think when they wrote the Constitution, nobody predicted that we would have a person this fucking clowny in office. Or it requires like a, such a large majority, like two thirds of the vote. And our party lines are split almost exactly 50-50. That it's impossible. Like everyone acts upon partisan lines. And so it's impossible to make government work the way it's supposed to because of how heavily each of these have uh, government monies and interest on both sides of the political aisles. So. It's just an interesting thing because like technically we can remove people from office, but it's it's just as difficult in a lot of ways to the point where everyone just lets their term expire and then just doesn't elect them again if they're trash. And that's our show. Check us out on Twitter at fem.strat and on our website, thefemaledatingstrategy.com and on Patreon for weekly bonus content, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And the tampon king has been crowned. Damn it, bye. <laughs>